Hi, I'm Garth Tanner. I'm Jamie Wincup. I'm James Courtney. Tony Delberto. Hi, I'm Rick Kelly. Hi, I'm Todd Kelly. Hi, I'm Lee Holdsworth. You're listening to V8 Insiders. It's your weekly dose of V8 news on the V8 Insiders. Now, here's your host, Craig Revell. FPR's roll continues. For everyone, really, it's um, a great result. Another another fantastic weekend, obviously, for us. We look at the final Hamilton 400. Today, as the red lights go out on another edition of the V8 Insiders. You've taken the V8 to the races. you watch the action on TV. Now, read about them in V8X Magazine. V8X Magazine, dedicated to just one thing, V8 Supercars. Showcasing some of today's best writers and award-winning photographers, V8X brings you all the news and in-depth interviews demanded by today's V8 supercar fans in one action-packed magazine. V8X, the number one magazine in V8 supercar coverage. Out now. This news update is brought to you by V8X Magazine. Log on to the official V8X Magazine Facebook page for your chance to win some great prizes. Championship Series leader Will Davison has added to his championship lead following the final Hamilton race last weekend. The FPR driver thrilled with his team's performance, not off the podium this year. Uh, you know, six races this year, six podiums. So said I had a few little dramas in the race, but uh, to hang on for third was a great haul of points. And uh, we're looking forward to Perth. We've got to keep this rolling. And Davison was also happy that his teammate finally got into the championship winners list. Um, they've worked hard this year, been extremely quick, uh, so it's Frosty's day. The importance of Mark Winterbottom's win on Sunday was not lost on the Orcon Steel driver. Yeah, as a whole, the weekend was uh, was, was fantastic, but um, yeah, I think you know today winning that last race at Hamilton and the way we the way I had to fight to the end and just to hear the the voice on Car Five, um, you know when I come in, obviously Car Six had a lot of success and uh, you know my boys maybe felt like they needed that win as well and um, yeah big day for uh, for everyone really it's a um, great result. Garth Tanders third on Saturday showed that the HRT old dog still had some new tricks left. We made some pretty big changes with the car this weekend and it's responding nicely we just got to tune her up a little bit over the race distance. Tander paying his respects to the New Zealand crowd who supported the series for so long on the land of the long white cloud. We really really enjoy being on the podium here the passion for motorsport and uh, especially Holden over here in New Zealand is fantastic so thanks to the New Zealand crowd for having us and uh, hope we come back next year. Jamie Winkup finished the weekend on the fly with a barnstorming run that almost saw him with another last lap pass for the win. I actually thought I was odds on, actually. I thought um, I'm, I'm looking pretty good here. The, the car hung on to his tyre as well. In the end, Winkup had to push Frosty's car to the pit lane after he'd run out of fuel in his burnout on turn two. Clarified the pit lane at the end there. He was out of fuel, so I had to push him down. It wasn't, uh, I wasn't getting angry or anything. So the championship points after six races sees Will Davison on 846, Jamie Winkup on 825, Mark Winterbottom on 657, Craig Lowndes 557, Lee Holsworth 555, Shane Van Gisbergen on 549, Garth Tander on 524, Fabian Coulthard on 510, Coulthard the best of the New Zealanders across the weekend. Tim Slade's on 489 and rounding out the top 10, Rick Kelly on 453. Drivers once again have been upset with the automated curb hopping system in the back straight chicane. Alex Premitt having to 
observed three drive-through penalties during the race. While other drivers are concerned that whilst the FIA rules say they only need to keep two wheels on the racetrack, certain tracks are having special rules applied. They all are concerned that when they get back to the Gold Coast next year that this system either needs to be thrown out or further trials need to be conducted to ensure that there is no difference in the way cars are judged. The announcement that Eastern Creek would return to the championship in August as Event 9, bumping the Winton event to 14, the penultimate round, on 16 to 18th of November, was made by David Malone, V8 CEO, at Hamilton. Perhaps because Chairman Tony Cochran's announcement at Adelaide that an Australian round would not replace the much-vaunted international TBA. Would we consider going to an Australian venue to um, fill the hole, I guess, for one year? Possibly, but it's, it's, it's fairly difficult to do that at that time of the year. Um, so my gut feeling, and that's all it is, is that um, we... If it didn't come off, we would probably just uh, remove that round from the championship. And, of course, Tony has said some wonderful things about the ARDC who run Eastern Creek. Here's 2008. At, at the end of the day, um, you know, the ARDC do what the ARDC do. And, you know, if they think that they're going to win friends and influence people by belittling uh, the V8 Supercar Championship, they've picked the wrong boy on the course. As a matter of fact, they tried that with me 12 years ago. I remember their statement, you're dinosaurs. And um, as I reminded Ivan Stibbard, who was the genius running the ARDC at that stage, um, the dinosaur lived for 8,000 years in a hostile environment. Glenn Matthews, the CEO of the ARDC who runs the Eastern Creek Circuit, says they're not worried about the politics of the past between the series and the circuit. They are just concentrating on Event 9 of the Championship. At the end of the day, um, we, we had been establishing you know, a good relationship. We'd been talking with V8s over a little while now. Um, and and uh, on this occasion, they approached us and said, look, there's an opportunity here. Would you be interested? And naturally, we're interested. And, you know, we all agree that the Sydney market's big enough for two two wonderful events. And we think that, uh, you know, the event at Eastern Creek here will complement the Homebush event really, really well. We have more from Glenn Matthews on this week's White Flag Lap. Wyndon Moser Raceway is naturally thrilled that the event will now be held in the spring. Lachlan Mansell saying that the decision has been very well received by the district. It's been very positive. All the accommodation venues in not just Benalla but also the surrounding areas like Wangaratta, Shepparton, Glen Rowan, um, they've all been very supportive of the uh, the shift in the date. Um, and they think that it'll be probably even more popular than what it was uh, held in August. I think it's very important to understand, Craig, just how important Winton Motor Raceway is for the uh, region's economy because of the number of spectators that V8 supercars and other events at the circuit do attract to the area. Fans in Australia were left disappointed that the final two laps of the race were not shown live when the satellite uplink crashed in Hamilton. V8 Supercars quickly released a public announcement informing fans that the problem was not from Network 7, who were instantly receiving messages and complaints. In a statement, they said that the broadcast issue for Australian viewers today was caused by a failure of a technical piece of equipment. This highly irregular failure bypassed all levels of redundancy that are normally activated automatically. The 7 Network were not responsible for any part of the failure.
The V8 insiders have contacted V8 Supercars to see what they are able to do to ensure that this type of failure in future will not affect the coverage, but as yet... V8 Supercars have not returned our call. That's the news on the V8 Insiders. After the break, Richard Kral and Stefan Bartholomeus will join me for a look at the final Hamilton event when we return on the V8 Insiders. News on the V8 Insiders is brought to you by the official V8X Magazine Facebook page. Sign up and keep in touch with V8 Supercars. Taking the V8 to the races. You watch the action on TV. Now, read about them in V8X Magazine. V8X Magazine, dedicated to just one thing, V8 Supercars. Showcasing some of today's best writers and award-winning photographers. V8X brings you all the news and in-depth interviews demanded by today's V8 Supercar fans in one action-packed magazine. V8X, the number one magazine in V8 Supercar coverage. Out now. The views expressed on V8 Insiders, including the panellists and guests, do not reflect those of the network, Thunder Media, sportradio.com.au or V8X Magazine. Any publication or rebroadcast of the show without the expressed written permission of Thunder Media is strictly prohibited. Hi, I'm Lee Holdsworth. You're listening to V8 Insiders. Welcome back to the V8 Insiders. As Joining us this week from Speed Cafe, it's Stefan Bartholomeus. How are you going, Stefan? Very well, thanks, Craig. Thanks for having me. You're welcome. And, of course, from, well, Channel 10's V8 supercar coverage of the Grand Prix, it is Richard Crowell. Richard, how are you going, mate? Congratulations on that, too. I wear, Craig, that's the one you picked, the, the one-off gig in March. Thanks very much, though. Appreciate that. Good to be here, and g'day to Stefan as well. Well, I haven't had a chance to congratulate you on that, and Jack Perkins and yourself did a wonderful job. I very much appreciate that. We had a very, very good time. It looked like it from the photos from the commentary box, which we all got to enjoy through Twitter and, of course, Facebook. Gee, wasn't Twitter and Facebook going off at the end of the Hamilton race? Not about the success of Mark Winterbottom being able to hold off the barnstorming Jamie Wing Cup, but, Richard, it was about the satellite uplink fail. Yeah, and it started off being about Channel 7 going to an ad break with two laps to go, and... This is the the problem we have with with social media. Social media is a very, very powerful tool for what we do in the sport and and promoting it and getting people talking about it. But the negative effect is when something like like that happens and people tend to just jump to conclusions so quickly and one or two people can report something inaccurately and it spreads like wildfire across the internet. Um, And it, it was pretty disappointing to watch. I was actually out on Sunday afternoon and I was following the race via Twitter, via the updates on speedcafe.com's tweeting, which was very helpful. Um, so I saw it all happen live, and, and I thought, well, hang on a minute, these people are jumping to conclusions because there's no way that the powers that be at, at Seven Sport and V8 Supercar Television would jump out of a race with two laps to go to go to a commercial break and then miss the finish. It, it just it, It's inconceivable in modern broadcasting that that could happen. Um, in this day and age because they know they get absolutely slaughtered for it. So unfortunately we had this, this issue where people um, jumped on the bandwagon, I guess, of, of laying into Seven and more particularly the people at V8 TV who produced the whole thing. Um, and the net result was a pretty messy couple of hours, I think, where um, I think a lot of people said some things without thinking and, um, you know... The net result was um, was that V8s put out a statement saying that 
uh, they apologised for it. It wasn't. It was completely out of their control. There was absolutely nothing they can do with it. And sometimes I think people just need to think a little bit before they um, they launch into massive criticism about stuff like this and go, well, hang on a minute. Would they really do it? No, they wouldn't. It must have been a technical issue. And then how else are they going to handle it? Mm. So, yeah, pretty interesting turn of events. But it shows the the power of social media, doesn't it, and how quickly something like that can spread. And, Stefan, you were in New Zealand, so you didn't actually see the dropout. But uh, I know when you watch the tape back from the seven coverage, you can see the picture freezes. And you know that when a picture freezes for two or three seconds and starts to get wobbly... There's a technical problem. What is, a, what is any, any network going to do but throw to an ad break and try and fix whatever the problem is? It, I, was, I was mystified by how people think, were thinking Channel 7 just scheduled an ad. It, was, it, was be, it beggars belief. Well, yeah, Craig, um, people do like to uh, jump into the TV coverage and uh, have a bit of a whinge quite, on a quite a regular basis, so uh, whether they make mistakes or not, but... Yeah, I mean, if you look at the positive side of it, to uh, have their backup system in in place and in play within the amount of time that they did was really quite impressive. The unfortunate part, I guess, was the fact that when they came out of that ad break, uh, Mark Winterbottom was doing his donuts, and uh, whether that could have been handled better or not, I'm not sure. But, um, yeah, for us at the track, we were blissfully unaware of such issues until uh, it got mentioned in the post-race media conference, and... Uh, when uh, that was said, I knew that by the time I got back to my computer, there would have been a fair amount of traffic on the old social media. Mm. What the other issue you have with that, and, and picking up on Stefan's point, is that they could have come out of the ad break with the finish on delay, but then people on social media would have gone, oh, frosty winds, and given away the conclusion to a thrilling race, and then poor old Channel 7 would have copped it for not showing the finish of the race live, which is what they had... You know, a year, two years ago, with with races not being shown live on live on TV, which has sort of instigated them showing most of them live now. Um, so either way, they can't win. So either way, they were going to cop it in social media, and I, I think the way they handled it was good. There was enough time in the post-race show to go and um, replay the last two laps and make it right and explain what happened. The funny thing is that if Mark Winterbottom was 20 seconds in front of Jamie Winkup and it wasn't a thrilling finish, I think the reaction was probably going to be about a third of what it turned out to be. It just so happened that it, it you know, affected a really, really good finish to a really good motor race. Yeah, I have to say, I didn't have a problem with them when you see the uh, coverage and what happened. I, I don't have a problem with them going straight back to live footage and then have, the, you know, then have uh, Matthew White and those guys. We realised there was a dropout. Here's what you're going to see again. Because if you came back to a tape delay and you have to remember that everyone is in that broadcast box trying to fix the uplink problem mm. they're not concentrating on let's wind back our you know the digital recorder f- three minutes or wind it back to two laps to go and hit that button because they would not have known when seven was going to cut back and i think yeah. that's the crucial thing what they had to do was they had to give them live pitches again and then go by the feedback they were getting, so you had Matthew White and those guys, time to set up what they were about to do. But, look, I thought what they did when you watch the tape back and watch it all happen again, yes, it, it's handled as well as it can be handled. The amazing thing was how powerful social media is, Stefan, and that is the critical thing. And, uh, you know, you know yourself, 
the reaction that you would have got through your emails and and uh, readers' response, and I know what V8X got absolutely hammered with, you know, people complaining, and then two hours later, I think everyone who uh, hit the send button was wishing they had a recall button. Yeah, well, I mean, we talk we talk about the power of social media, but uh, I'm not sure what what all the complaining actually achieved. I mean, it's it's a place for people to vent, but. Uh, the word power indicates uh, it creates some sort of result, which uh, it, <laughs> I guess really it didn't. No, and I have to say before we leave this topic, because uh, the, the next topic we'll talk about, or the topic later in the show we'll talk about, is uh, uh, Alex Premitz's three pit lane trips for jumping the timing marker in the back straight. But uh, one of the best tweets I saw was, ah, finally, Premitz hit, uh, hit the ripple strip too hard and taken out the satellite. Which uh, I thought was absolute gold, <laughs> guys. Uh, FPR is on a roll. We'll talk about the race now. And Richard, uh, for Frosty, he got his first championship win after, you know, he could only win when Richard Crow was calling the TV commentary at the uh, at the Grand Prix. So he's got that monkey off his back at least. Well, it's a big monkey to have, isn't it? Uh, given I basically only jump in for four V8 Supercar races in my life, but. Um, yeah, you know, great stuff. I think the Grand Prix was probably the full stop on the question that we've all been asking for 12 months now, which is, can they win on soft tyres? And the answer was yes. Um, and they went on with that in the, the rounds we've seen since. So great stuff by um, by Will Davo. He's been amazing all season long and continues to be in- incredibly impressive on the Saturdays. But And, you know, when, when he's not winning, Frosty's now doing the job too. But, I mean, he had to work for it and... Full credit to Jamie Winkup too for um, for bouncing back after his um, shunt early in the day and, and Triple Eight getting that car fixed. But um, I mean, Stefan's probably more qualified than I am to talk about it. But uh, from your point of view, mate, I mean, it's just pleasing from a a media perspective to be able to report on some other people winning, and it's a good story that Ford Performance Racing have got their stuff together and are continuing on with it now. Oh, yeah, there's no doubt. I mean, Triple Eight haven't really been consistently challenged in a way for, for four or so years now. So um, to see FPR turn up at each different track and there's always question marks, oh, they didn't do this or that well here last year. Can they can they turn that around? And every test that they've been faced with this year, they've certainly uh, certainly ticked the box. So, um, yeah, I mean, for Mark Winterbottom, the weekend was uh, good and bad because obviously... Yeah, turned the old steering arm into a banana there on Saturday and cost himself a lot of points. So um, to bounce back on Sunday was good to see. Uh, Davo, as you said, outstanding year so far. Six podiums from six races, and uh, that's probably what uh, championship campaigns are really built on. Mm. And, of course, Jamie Winkup, he might not be winning, but gosh darn, two more second places, and, uh, well, he might be the new accumulator. Yeah, it's um, like Stefan just said. I mean, you got to you got to be consistent and score points to to be a factor in in any championship. I mean, look at Mark Webber in Formula One. He's had finished fourth in the first four races of the year, but he sits third in the World Championship just via consistency. So, I mean, heaven help it if he goes and wins a couple of races. So, yeah, consistency is okay, and and that's the sign of a good team is is if you can't win, you finish second, and that's what Team Vodafone are doing in particular. With uh, with Jamie Winker, mm. Craig Lowndes, Stefan has got the Mark uh, Webber disease. Two fourth place finish. Yeah, well, it was a bit of a quiet weekend for Craig. Um, 
they went pretty aggressive on the old fuel strategy on the triple eight car both days he was one of the first to come to the lane in to get the hard tires off and put the softs on and uh, certainly on saturday uh, through that middle phase of the race it was just about driving to a fuel number so probably a little bit frustrating for him but uh, as you said good points and uh, just roll on to the next one. Mm. One of the stories of the race I was following, Stefan, on both days, in fact, was Dick Johnson racing because they announced they were going to break their team into two separate subunits managed uh, independently and uh, we saw on Saturday they they all got their qualifying together and uh, a sixth place finish for Steve Owen was a very, very solid result. Yeah, obviously there was quite a bit of change in that team since um, Tasmania. It was it was a bit sad to see uh, Malcolm Swetnam depart. He uh, he's uh, always was very good to us at Speed Cafe, and um, there's nothing more entertaining than an Englishman who spent a lot of time in world motorsport to uh, can tell a few good stories. So um, <laughs> Steve Owen's form, obviously, as you say, was uh, was impressive there on the Saturday uh, weekend. Didn't end up so great for him there on Sunday with that turn four shunt was a bit of a disaster but um, to get three cars in that shootout on Saturday uh, good to see them get a bit of sugar for that team because it has been a pretty tough run since pretty much September last year mm. and and of course uh, it, it, for people who don't understand the dynamics of uh, the whole thing they are working on uh, such a limited capacity there Richard and they're now breaking everything up, which they've just been trying to mesh together with the hopefully the goal of being able to improve things. But they've got to be working on so many different fronts at the moment. I imagine the uh, fire extinguishers are going left, right and centre up there in Queensland. Yeah, maybe a case of bigger isn't always better in in that case. Four Performance Racing have made three cars plus a bit of support to Tony D'Alberto work. Um, You know, Walkinshaw, to a certain extent, has done the same. But... You know, yeah, I mean, it's been a disaster this year, hasn't it, for them, as Stefan said, and, and it was really pleasing to see them in there, and especially for guys like James Moffat, who, who really needs some results. He continues to try and firmly establish himself as a, a regular front-runner in, in V8 supercar racing. But they've got a lot of resources there. You know, with with the Fiori coming in, they've got the resources that Triple F brought to the equation with the whole Morris VIP pet foods deal that, that saw that... Um, uh, racing entitlement contract go over there. That's a positive. So you've got some of the people that have come over from Morris, Scotty Jennings, Paul Morris himself. So, you know, there's, there's enough people there to do the job. I, I think now it's about structure and getting some new processes in place and getting beyond all this change that they've had and getting it all right. So, um, oh, look, you know, despite what goes on behind the scenes or what some people might say, I think... You know, we've all got a soft spot for Dick Johnson Racing somewhere in our hearts because of the history that they've got. So you want to see them competitive. You want to see another team at the front and you want to see that iconic brand representing the sport and to the massive legion of fans that the team's got. So, you know, hopefully they get their stuff together and, and they can be at the front sooner rather than later. Mm. Well, we need to take a break here on the Van Insiders. Plenty more to talk about when we return. Controversy Corner is next when we return with more on the V8 Insiders. Find out more about your favourite supercar teams and drivers when we go inside further on the V8 Insiders. You've taken the V8 to the races. you watch the action on TV. Now, read about them in V8X Magazine. V8X Magazine, dedicated to just one thing, V8 Supercars. 
showcasing some of today's best writers and award-winning photographers. V8X brings you all the news and in-depth interviews demanded by today's V8 supercar fans in one action-packed magazine. V8X, the number one magazine in V8 supercar coverage. Out now. Hi, I'm Shane Van Gisbergen. You're listening to V8 Insiders. Welcome back to the V8 Insiders. As Richard Crail and Stephen Bartholomew join me, Craig Ravel. And uh, guys, I just want to get your winners and losers from the round. And Stephen, I'd be very interested to see who you think were the losers this weekend. Oh, well, I guess I prefer to start with start with the winners, if, uh, if we may. Um, <laughs> well, we'll talk about FPM, uh, Fabian Coulthard. Did a very good job. Uh, obviously, first uh, weekend being engineered by Phil Keed. Um, he was very, very solid. And he's currently cemented there in the top 10 of the points. So um, he's doing a good job. Lee Holdsworth deserves a mention, I think, as well. He had a tough Saturday, but um, they had a great run on Sunday there into uh, into P6. Um, but to answer your question about losers, if you want to uh, look at that side of the coin, yeah, I mean, Shane Van Gisbergen didn't... Uh, didn't deliver on the promise that had him on the front row there on Saturday. Um, he really got bundled out of the way down there at turn one and turn two on the opening lap, and that um, destroyed his chances. And then on Sunday, they just just weren't on the pace, which was a shame for the local fans as well, because uh, the ones that didn't want to see Van Gies up the front would have wanted to see Greg Murphy up the front, and uh, he certainly wasn't either. Mm. So, uh, yeah, I think um, there are a few blokes that had one good day and one bad day, like Darth Tander or... Lee Holdsworth, but uh, Alex Pramar, just to uh, round off the guy that didn't have uh, a great weekend, he uh, yeah, shunt on Saturday and then uh, 23 curb infringements on Sunday. That's uh, quite uh, quite a weekend. Mm. Your losers and winners there, Richard? Uh, I can't really add too much more than what Stefan so expertly covered there, but um, the winners for me out of V8 Racing in overall this year is the Green Lobby and the environmentalists, because it's all about fuel saving, saving fuel. It's like they're all racing Toyota Priuses around. They're trying to conserve so much fuel to get to the finish. So, um, you know, the, the net result is that we've got some pretty exciting motor racing out of it. And, you know, people bemoan fuel economy racing, but, you know, it often puts some really interesting strategies in play. And, you know, the talk with the fuel nub, knob and the, the four position switch and all that comes into it. So... Yeah, I think that's a win, in a way, because it's produced some pretty exciting racing and some, some good close finishes. I mean, look at the Clipsal 500, and that last lap was sensational. Uh, losers have to be the Kiwi Motorsport public, because at this stage, there's still no firm deal that they'll go back there next year. I, I've got no doubt they will be back. I think it's such a critical market, and it's, it's a ready-made market. It's as big a V8 fan base as you'll get anywhere in Australia's mainland, um, let alone Tasmania. But... Um, the fact that this uncertainty over it does V8 Supercar no favours, it does the sport as a whole no favours. So they need to get this all sorted pretty quickly and announce where V8s are going to be for a long term so they can reconnect with this Kiwi fan base. It's probably a bit sick of uh, everything that's gone on with Hamilton and, and everything in the last couple of years. So, um, you know, for the foreseeable future, no more Hamilton, but hopefully they can get something sorted for the long term. Mm. Now, interesting, you talk about uh, the winners and losers of uh, a weekend being racetracks because you have to say Eastern Creek and Winton have got some two very big wins out of it, Richard. Uh, I think the biggest win is Winton, isn't it? Because all of a sudden they go to being an absolutely key round for the championship because they'll be leading to the Sydney Telstra 500 in December. 
Um, what a great thing for Mick Ronk and the Winton team that you know they get all of a sudden increased media coverage and and much more eyes on the racetrack because hopefully we've got you know three or four drivers within you know 100 points of each other trying to decide who's going to be champion two weeks later. So great stuff. Really pleased they're going back to Eastern Creek. I mean they should have been there full stop. Sydney's a massive market, but to build that market, they've got to take the AFL approach and just saturate it as much as they can for as long as they can and throw money at it until it works. Um, and in Eastern Creek, they've got a proven facility that, that's working hard on upgrading and spending money and, and extending the track like they've done and improving facilities. So, you know, it's good for the sport. They're going back there, another local round, good for TV. Um, I, I see no real downsides in it. I think it's, um, it's a pretty good move. Is the biggest winner, Stefan, the racetrack of Winton or the people that are now going to be camping in spring, not the middle of winter? <laughs> Well, yeah, definitely. Uh, everybody seems to be uh, to be winning on that basis. I mean, great tourism destinations of the world there to end our season: Gold Coast, Abu Dhabi, Winton, Sydney. It all uh, all fits in so so nicely. And uh, yeah, just uh, be interesting if the Champions Donuts are uh, taking place at Winton because there's no guarantee that it'll go down the last round, and uh, that would really be something. It is going to be interesting, and uh, just the two tracks, you know, and, and even the way the announcement was made. No Tony Cochran making this announcement after, uh, well, his we're not going to be racing, we're not going to be replacing TBA with an Australian race, and we will never, ever, ever, I think was the uh, quote, go back to Eastern Creek. It is a, and add your expletives to the end of that sentence. So uh, David Malone had the joyous task of making that announcement, Stefan. Well, yeah, arguably, uh, Daily Telegraph were given the uh, given the opportunity to make the announcement, but they didn't uh, didn't go too easy on it by bringing up the whole uh, history of Eastern Creek and some of those quotes that you mentioned. So, um, yeah, it'll be it's good, I think, for the fans to uh, to go back to Eastern Creek, both the fans in Western Sydney and also the ones watching on TV, because. Uh, I don't think they would say no to an extra race meeting and Eastern Creek is a very good facility and a good racetrack for the cars. But um, yeah, maybe uh, maybe not so good for the teams who actually have to pay for it. Yeah, and that is critical, isn't it, Richard? You understand category management better than any of us here on the panel and uh, they've gone now from a fully paid trip overseas to having to fund out to get to what is effectively a central location. Yeah, but I saw a quote on, on Speed Cafe, and I think it was Tim Edwards at FPR that said, look, you know, we, we've got to, you know, yes, it's going to be a hit, but we need to make this work. We've got to make it work for the sport. It, it's got to work. You know, it, it's going to cost us some money, but it, it's such a big market, Sydney. You know, it's four and a half million people within an hour of that racetrack. So you've got to be there. It, it, there's just no way you can't. And there's been this massive disparity away from Sydney for so many years. They've tried to make the, the street race thing work and it's hanging on. Whether it continues or not, we don't know. Um, so you, you've just got to be there. And commercially for the sponsors, for corporates, you know, if you're uh, an Orcon Steel, for example, I, I can't think how many Orcon representatives they'd have employed in the Sydney, um, you know, greater metro area. So for corporates and to get them to the track and get them to an event, it's another opportunity to do that. So it's pretty vital that they, they build this and the teams I think for the most part will look at it as an investment in you know a longer term financial gain if they can build the event up make it massive well then they're going to get more return out of it anyway so 
Um, yeah, look, short-term pain for uh, longer-term gain, I think, has got to be the goal for, for Eastern Creek, for sure. And now Eastern Creek isn't competing with Oran Park for, well, we like Oran Park better, so we'll go to Oran Park, and this is it. You're going to go to Eastern Creek, or I guess the Sydney 500 until that race falls over. Um, they've never had a better time, Stefan, to uh, wave the flag and get themselves a very solid position in the championship. Yeah, well, um, you're right. It's It will be interesting to see how uh, Eastern Creek events, crowd sort of, the, or the fact that the event is running, uh, will affect the crowd that uh, turns up in Homebush. And that's both in terms of uh, spectators paying at the gate and also the corporate sales. Um, they haven't got a lot of time to sell a lot of corporate uh, boxes for the Eastern Creek event, but um, we'll see uh, how it impacts the real interesting thing will be to see who gets the second pit lane and the second pit facility. Will it be Carrera Cup or do you think they might get the, uh, the I was about to say Fujitsu Series in there, but of course that's wrong, the Dunlop Series into that new pit facility that has been made for the Northern Track Extension? Well, I mean, they haven't confirmed supports for the round yet either, so we, we don't know what's going to be there. And the other thing to keep in mind is that the week... Uh, week after it on Father's Day weekend is Muscle Car Masters, which is now Eastern Creek's biggest annual event by a pretty substantial margin. Um, so that's going to be another interesting thing. And the, the best thing, I think, for both events is that the ARDC is promoting them both. So I'm sure there'll be incentives in place for ticketing so that, you know, buy a ticket for one, you can go to the other or vice versa. Um, you know, there's, there's plenty of ways you can do that kind of thing. Yeah, support category is going to be key. You know, you want a, a good good package there's no confirmation on what track they're going to use yet and most people are speculating about um, whether they're going to use the extension, the uh, the new circuit which they've built around the back of Corporate Hill. I actually had a look at it at Shannon's Nationals round earlier this year. It's, it's pretty impressive, a lot of undulation, some elevation change. Not sure if it's going to add much overtaking but it's going to be a really interesting addition to the circuit. So now I saw some tweets by the ARDC today actually. They're um, apparently going to go and and look at that process in the next, you know, three to six weeks and um, and make a decision on what circuit they'll use. But remember, they've realigned some parts of the old circuit as well. The entry to Turn 6 is now straighter. So there's more overtaking opportunities, whichever way I look at it. But the best thing out of all of it is that they're actually spending money on this place. They know they just can't sit on their hands. They want to make it better and make these kind of events work. So... Um, yeah, I'm really optimistic it's going to be a, a good show. Mm. And, uh, of course, we're looking forward to it as well. Guys, thanks very much for joining us here on the V8 Insiders for another week. And uh, on the white flag lap, you might be interested to know that CEO of the ARDC, Glenn Matthews, will join us. But for now, Stephen Bartholomew, thank you very much for your time once again. No worries, Craig. Pleasure and, as always. And to you, of course, Richard Crowell. We look forward to speaking to you. In fact, uh, I think we'll be speaking to you very soon on Inside Motorsport for uh, the fans of the Formula 3s and uh, every other division that you happen to be involved with across this country. Yeah, plenty going on, Craig. It's a very busy time of the year. We love it. Thanks very much. The White Flag Lap is up next. You've taken the V8 to the races. you watch the action on TV. Now, read about them in V8X Magazine. V8X Magazine, dedicated to just one thing, V8 Supercars.
showcasing some of today's best writers and award-winning photographers. V8X brings you all the news and in-depth interviews demanded by today's V8 supercar fans in one action-packed magazine. V8X, the number one magazine in V8 supercar coverage. Out now. Hi, I'm Rick Kelly. You're listening to V8 Insiders. With the announcement that Event 9 of the V8 Supercar Championship is returning to Eastern Creek. Yeah, thanks, Craig. Look, we're extremely excited here. And look, this year, 2012, is a, a huge year for the ARDC being our 60th anniversary and the announcement on the weekend is, is we're just excited and delighted and it is a busy time the, the track works are almost completed and uh, and now we'll have the, the V8s and you know and, and, and that week you know after the V8s we've got the uh, the muscle car masters as well. Eastern Creek can draw a crowd particularly a year ago when you had the free open day for the start of the season where it was the official test day and a huge crowd flocked to Eastern Creek. Yeah, look, I think uh, I think uh, the venue is fantastic uh, for the punter, and and uh, you know we've been had such great positive responses, and and I think that that test day last year it just shows how much the you know the punters are craving to come back to Eastern Creek. The extension has it been made with any category in mind? Not really, but what we have done is ensured that the extension is FIA Category 2 compliant. In fact, we're the only Category 2 compliant circuit uh, in Australia, and uh, what we want, wanted to make sure that we, we actually kept that, uh, that, uh, that status. Uh, so we can run pretty much every category except for Formula 1. Does, if you've got two circuits, have you put in another pit facility or another pit lane facility so that you can run uh, pit stops on both configurations? Yes, definitely. Part of the renovi- a part of the extension is a new pit lane and pit lane building. And, and that uh, while the track's almost... Uh, in fact, the track extension's only two days away. There's two days' worth of work for that to be completed and, and that'll be occurring uh, with, uh, subject to the weather next week. Uh, and then the, we're getting on and just commencing the construction of the new pit lane and pit lane building as well. And again, those things will be completed in time for the V8s. Mm. How are you going to celebrate the opening? Well, I think that's something, because this was a, a, a big shock and come out of the blue, really, uh, we, we'd always plan to celebrate you know, our 60th anniversary and the opening of the new extended track at the Muscle Car Masters. Uh, with the with the V8s the week before, uh, I think we'll be celebrating all things V8s uh, for, for you know for that entire week, um, and so it'll be you know the the, the V8s on one weekend, and then the uh, I guess the, the legends the weekend after uh, the history of the sport. Mm. So uh, we're, we're sort of planning now. We've, we're changing some of our plans around, but uh, there's certainly. Uh, incorporate both events so we'll be celebrating that entire week V8 and the ARDC have had a tumultuous history over the years how did the approach come and which way did it come did you approach V8 or did V8s approach you about oh well look I guess I guess at the end of the day um, we we had been establishing you know a good relationship we've been talking with V8s over a little while now um, and uh, on this occasion, they approached us and said, "Look, there's an opportunity here. Would you be interested?" And naturally, we're interested. And you know, we all agree that the Sydney market's big enough for two two wonderful events. And we think that uh, you know, the event at Eastern Creek here will complement the Homebush event really, really well. It's a one-off deal, but you have to look at this as an opportunity to become a permanent fixture. Obviously. 
yeah, look, I think we all realise that uh, we, we want to deliver something special here. And, you know, I, you know, I note that even David Malone has said, you know, they, they'll look at this, this event with interest and with a bit of luck, you know, we'll be back on as, as a permanent fixture uh, in years to come. Mm. The political pressure that's going on the Homebush circuit will make you a critical key in how the Sydney market gets serviced going forward because already the Farrell government has said they're not going to support an extension on that contract. Yeah, I'm not too sure. I mean, I guess, I guess, uh, Craig, what I'm really focused on is to make the Eastern Creek event the actual, you know, the, absolutely the best event that we can make it. And, you know, and uh, we'd be pleased to have them here for a very long time. Mm. Well, I'm sure there's going to be a lot of announcements coming up between now and August when uh, you get to have ra- Event 9 of the V8 Supercar Championship. And uh, we wish you all the best for, one, the opening, and two, the V8 Supercar's return. Yeah, thank you very much, uh, Craig, and really look forward to everybody coming out and, and supporting the event, which I think, uh, you know, will be an absolute fabulous week for all of us. My thanks to Glenn Matthews there, along with Stefan Bartholomeus and Richard Crail. As the checker flag waves over another edition of the V8 Insiders, till next time round, keep smiling and bye for now. Join us next week for more V8 Insiders, only on v8x.com.au.